Turn to Psalm 63 and verse 1 this morning. That's where we're going to kick off our meeting. It's a Psalm of David when he's in the desert. Everyone say desert. Right, we're talking about desert this morning, not dessert, but desert, all right? All right, Psalm 63, David's in the desert. This is what he does. Here, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. This is what happens in the desert. My soul thirsts for you, absolutely, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. David is a man after God's own heart. And he experiences a desert in his life. Six things you need to know when you're going through a desert or a difficult experience. Number one is you are going through. Everyone say through. through. Yeah, desert times are something we go through. We don't stop there permanently. Psalm 23 verse 4, though I walk through. Okay, have you got that? Through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God leads us into tunnels, not into caves. In other words, a tunnel, you always come out into the light. Now, that doesn't mean everything works out just the way you wanted it to do. It doesn't mean that God came through in the way you wanted. But what it does mean is you come out of a, a desert, a dark time, into a place of light, into a place of God's blessing. I've experienced seasons in my life when I felt I was literally in a cave. Didn't feel like a tunnel. I couldn't see any light at the end. I kept looking around. I said, God, I know this is a tunnel, but I don't see no light anywhere. And I wondered, God, how on earth are you going to get me through this difficult time in my life? But sure enough, as God's Word is true, eventually it took longer than I had hoped, but I came through into light and into a place of blessing. Did everything work out the way I wanted to? No. Did God answer the prayers I wanted answered? No. But did I come through? Yes into a place of God's favor and outside of that dark and uh, difficult experience. Psalm 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the... Spurgeon talks about a verse. I'm not quite sure where it is in, in, in the Psalms. I always remember this. He always says that uh, there's a verse that says it came to pass. It came to pass. And what he goes on to say is it, it always passes. Whatever you're going through now, it will pass. It came to pass. Everyone say that with me. It came to pass. Okay. Every believer has a date with the desert. In Psalm 63, see, the Psalms are songs. So we see David sings in the desert. It takes a man or a woman of God to sing in the desert. The fact that some of you are here this morning... And during the singing and the worship, you're in a desert, dark desert place, but you've been doing your best to sing and lift your hands and worship God. Yes. Friends, that's a great commendation to you because it takes a man of God, a woman of God, a young person of God to actually come to church and sing in the midst of the desert. Of course, that is the very best thing to do. See, between seeing the promises of God being fulfilled and the promised land that God has for us, there's always a desert. If you're in a desert right now, welcome to the world. There's no one avoids the desert. There's many deserts. We all go through them. It's a part and parcel of our walking with God. So when the children of Israel were in Egypt, God said, hey, look, I'm going to take you to the promised land. They must have thought, whoopee-doo, finally, God, it's going to happen. Do you know what happened after they got out of Egypt? There was no promised land. They got a wilderness. 
They got stuck there for 40 years. So between the promise and the promised land is a desert. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And you, you know, usually after you get a promise, then what thing happens next is the opposite to the promise. So some of you just got a fantastic promise. You thought, wow, here we go. Nick, you're thinking, God, what happened to the promise? Well, that's what happened to the children of Israel. They got the promise of the promised land, but after the promise was a desert. If you're in a desert, you're probably on course for destiny. Now, we can understand there's a desert between Egypt and the promised land, but Psalm 63 teaches us that there's also a desert in Judah. Now, Judah was actually in the promised land. So... Once we're experiencing the promised land of blessing, so you're through, the promises there, God's answered your prayer, you're in the promised land. It's all fantastic, but once in the promised land, you're enjoying His favor and blessing, you're still gonna have desert experiences. And that can really confuse us. You see, Judah was no ordinary place. It's the capital of Jerusalem. The capital of Jerusalem was there. The temple of God was there. It was a place of promise, a place of presence, a place of security. Yet in the midst of all that, there's a desert. What am I saying? I'm saying you can be experiencing great blessing, favor of God, things going right on the left hand, the right hand, front of you, behind you, things going absolutely fantastic. But at the same time, you can be in a desert as well in some area of your life. There are deserts in Judah. There are deserts in the promised land. And as we understand that, it can help us to walk through it effectively. You see, desert cries out, uh, David cries out in this in verse one. He says, "Oh my God, you are my God." Do you know what? What's very easy to do when you get into the desert? You change from "Oh God, you are my God" to "Oh God, you were my God." Like God, where are you? You've abandoned me. You're far from me. You're distant from me. But friends, when you're in the desert, keep your confession the same. "Oh God, you are my God." You will get me through. I trust you. You are good all the time. You will bring me into a good place. Oh God, you are, not were, you are my God. Number three, it's easy to misinterpret the desert. We're in a desert wilderness. It's very easy, the first thing to think is, what have I done wrong? Any of you like that? What do I do? We'd, gosh, we I, should, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have lost my call. I shouldn't have watched that. And we think, oh, no, God's punishing me now for what I've done wrong. Well, it's good to do a check. And if you've done some dumb things, confess them, get them right, get them under the blood. But you can be in the midst of God's will, will doing everything right, and still be in a great desert. Joseph, Moses, David, Paul, Jesus, all had appointments with the desert. You can't get around. It's a vital part of God's work in our lives. Now listen carefully. Whatever you're facing right now, God's right there. He's right there. And you're in, you may well, you're probably in the center of God's will and you, the desert is, is God's doing something in your life. You see, and that's what you've got to understand because understanding gives us strength. In Luke 4, verse 1, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's Jesus filled with the Spirit returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the desert, wilderness. And so Jesus is led by the Spirit. The Spirit takes him to the desert. The Spirit takes you and me to a desert from time to time. 
And the Holy Spirit doesn't just lead us into blessing, but also desert times. Jesus' time in the desert was planned exactly the same as his birth, his death, his resurrection, and his second coming. They're all planned, but so was his time in the desert planned in the eternal counsels of God. See, God was in control of his life, and God is in our trials. The devil is not running your life. God is. God is. It's not the devil running it. It's God running your life. We need to remember that. Isaiah, watch these verses. Isaiah 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord? It's a good person here. Obeys the voice of his servant, and yet walks in darkness and has no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. So here's this person, what? They're obeying God's voice. <laughs> they're doing, you know, they're obedient to God. And they're, they're loving God. They fear the Lord. All of that. But in the midst of it, bang, in black darkness. Isaiah 45, verse 3, he'll give you the treasures of darkness, which is stored in secret places. Number four, a desert's not a place of punishment, but a place of promise. Are you with me this morning? Thank you. Most Christians, like me, want a nice, Relationship with God. You know, not too excessive, not too over the top, not too hot, not too cold, just sweet. <laughs> but if we want to have an impact for God, we actually have to have times in the desert. We need them, as all men and women of God have experienced. The Holy Spirit allows them because He's preparing you for your future. You get strong, not in good times, sitting on your lazy boy at home, drinking cups of coffee and tea, watching. Whatever you watch on TV, that's not where that doesn't. How many of you know that doesn't make you strong? Yeah. Anyone know that? How many of you get up from two hours watching TV and think, man, I feel like a spiritual giant now? God, you've worked in my life. Oh, I'm ready to face the world. No, no, no. You don't get strong in the good times. You get strong in the desert. You don't build muscles sitting on the lazy boy. You've got to go to the gym, which, believe me, I think is a desert. All right? It's tough. It's hard in the gym. You have to strain. You've got to stress. You've got to put yourself under pressure. You get strong in the desert. If you're in a desert right now, God's goal is to make you strong, is to get you ready for the next phase in your life. There's things you need done in your life today that only the desert can do. You cannot avoid the desert if you want an impact for God. See, Jesus came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Went and filled with the Spirit, came out in the power of the Spirit. Moses goes in the desert. What happens to him? He encounters God, the burning bush. He hears God's voice. He receives a call to be a deliverer. Good things happen in the desert. Say it with me. Come on, declare it. Good things happen in the desert. Now say it like you mean it. Good things happen in the desert. Something good is happening or can happen to you if you understand what God is actually trying to do. Don't see your desert as a place of punishment, but see it as a place of promise. Let me illustrate this way. Many years ago, you know the story, my father was diagnosed with terminal condition, given three weeks to live. I'd become a new Christian, been Christian 18 months, and it was like entering a real desert experience. I was desperate, I mean desperate, because I knew if he died a Hindu, he was going to hell. And I couldn't bear the thought of that, and so I reached out to God in that. And it became a place of not punishment, but a promise. 
Because not only was my father saved, that was fantastic in the South, but God did a great work in my life. A great work. A great work. Friends, a great work in my life was done through the desert that prepared me for my destiny. Let me give you just three ways. There's more than this, but in three ways that prepared. The desert got me ready. Number one, it gave me a passion to see people saved. Where do you think this passion's come from? It came from God, but it came from my dad desperately needing salvation, and I had to cry out to him. Secondly, it gave me faith that anyone can be saved. No one is beyond the reach of the gospel. I don't care who they are, God can win them. If he can get a man 59 years old, been a Hindu all his life in a short period of time, turn him to Christ. Friends, that gives me faith. Anyone can be saved. And number three, what was number three? Number three was that it taught me to fast and to pray. Friends, I cannot put into words the value of that desert in my life. Faith to see anyone saved. Passion for the lost, learning to pray. How many of you would love those three things in your life? I bet you would, eh? Every one of you. My whole ministry now is almost based as to a certain measure on those three things God did while I was in the desert. You see, friends, you don't get strong in the desert. You don't get ready for destiny. Sorry, you don't get strong in the good times. You don't get ready for, for destiny in the good times. You get ready in the desert. That's how God gets you prepared. You know, John the Baptist came out of the desert. Then when he declared, you know, the way of the Lord, that Jesus was coming, it all happened in the desert. Oh, I'm sorry I get a bit excited about this. I need to calm down and be like you guys. <laughs> Just nice, comfortable. <laughs> As I look back, I thank God. I thank God for that desert. Jesus, thank you so much. You see, because there are wonderful treasures. And my word to you today, if you don't hear anything else, if you hear nothing else, shut your block and just go to sleep after I've said this. Don't waste your desert. Come out with the treasures God's got for you. Otherwise, the devil's going to smile and say, "Woohoo!" took him through the desert, came out with nothing. And, the, you know, the demons in hell are going to celebrate. No, no, come out. Make sure, make sure. Get those treasures. That's the promise of God. Now, a desert is a difficult place to traverse. It's a vulnerable time. Deserts, you think about deserts, it's dangerous. You know, it's ex- exposed. It's, a, you know, the heat, the cold. And um, the enemy attacks us in the desert. So let's go to um, Hebrews 3, verse 7. Is this making any sense to anybody? Yes. Okay. Verse 7. Uh, therefore, Hebrews 3. Therefore, the Holy Spirit says, today, if you'll hear his voice. Here we go. Watch this. Do not. Say it with me. Do not. Oh, it's not you. I've got it, have you? Okay. Do not harden your heart in the Rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works, works 40 years, therefore I was angry with this generation. I said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. They shall not enter my rest. Friends, there's a great danger in the desert. A massive, massive, massive astronomical danger in the desert that you lose your way. You develop bad attitudes that ultimately... Harden your heart and rob you of God's destiny for your life. We know it's happened to untold tens of thousands of Christians across this nation. And when we're discouraged and struggling, our resistance to attack is down. Our temptation is 
exposed to a much higher level. And we need to be so careful. You've got to guard your heart above everything else. Because really, at the end of the day, friends, Satan only wants one thing from you. He wants your heart. He wants your attitudes. If he's got that, he's got you. You're done. You're toast. <laughs> Don't give him that privilege. Don't give him that honor. Keep yourself soft. Keep yourself sweet. You know, we know in the natural, we've shared the sheep are not good in the wilderness. Christians are not good in the wilderness. Get some counsel from godly Christians. Go on, go out of your way and say, look, I'm struggling. Help me. What do I do here? How do I get through this? There's people out there that can help you. Don't go it alone. Number six is it's a place of growth. John the Baptist lived in a desert where he grew before appearing publicly. And the desert is a wonderful way of, I've been saying, of causing growth in our lives. Let's look at James 1, 2 to 4. James 1, 2 to 4. Say it with me. Count it all, nice and loud, come on. Count it all joy, yeah, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy. There's only one way you can count desert's joy is when you know you're gonna come out a better person. If you can't see that, if you can't see it's going to do you good and change you, you can never say or count it joy when you go through these difficult times. God is at work in your life trying to do something. See, that diamond ring on your finger or that diamond on your finger, I trust you've all got diamonds, rubies, something, something, all right. Let's just pretend. That gold on your finger, all right, whatever it is. Before it became a diamond, it was in a dark place. It was a dark piece of. It was a dark piece of coal, buried in the earth under great pressure. That's where it was, and it's the intense pressure on it that turned it into a beautiful diamond. If without the pressure, that piece of stone or whatever you like to call it would never become a diamond. And friends, uh, it's the same as true in our own lives, is that if we're going to allow, if God has got desert, desert experiences can be like the pressure of God beaming down on the old rock in our lives. And in that dark, secluded, lonely, frustrating place, everyone say frustrating. frustrating. Yeah, in that frustrating, frustrating place, because we all get frustrated, that's That's the beam of God shining on your life to make you a diamond, to make you gold, to make you something beautiful that one day he's going to wear on his hand and display to the world. Yeah. One day he's going to display you to the world if you will allow him. Friends, that pressure to change and transform you. The danger is, We just grumble and complain and murmur our way through and nothing changes in our lives. What a waste of a trial. What a waste of pressure. And I would suggest, friends, this is one of the greatest lessons we have to learn as Christians. One of the single greatest lessons. And you can hear thousands of sermons. This one, friends, can be one of those sermons that is absolutely critical to your whole future, is that when you go through the desert, you've got to come out with treasure. You've got to respond and let God do something wonderful in your life. God can use you more. See, one of the qualities that can develop in a desert is perseverance. Stickability. You keep going when the going gets tough. 
That's what can happen in the desert. And maybe more than any other gift, we need this as Christians. My parents made me work really hard. Back in those days, a decade or so ago. <coughs> so the, my first holiday was when I was 17 years old. I never went on holidays. We worked every day. We worked right through our school holidays, worked in the fruit shop that we had, you know, through a long holiday. Right before school, after school, we worked. During the weekends, we worked. During school holidays, we just worked. And, and uh, we had to, it was an awful job at times. We had to deal with rotten fruit and vegetables. I remember, you know, cleaning up sacks of potatoes. Half of them were rotten, putting your finger in them, and just the stench was just disgust. Rotten onions, we had to clean those all up. And, you know, it was, it was just, I, I mean, I hated it. I've got to be honest with you. I, I desperately wanted out. I desperately wanted to do something di- different. It was a desert, a real desert. All my friends would be off, heading off on holidays in their boats and whatever it was. And, and uh, even if, if I was invited, I wasn't able to go because I had to do work in the shop. But friends, that desert built something into me, a number of things it built into me, but one thing it built into me was perseverance. In other words, you keep going. You don't quit. When everything inside you says, get out, you deserve better than this. You don't have to put up with this nonsense. You deserve a better life. And a lot of people, as soon as it gets tough, costly, difficult, they pull out instead of pushing through. So back in that desert years ago, I learned to push through. I learned to push through. Never, never, never give up. Never, ever bail out. Never, ever take an easier road because, friends, that doesn't take much guts. It doesn't take much strength. It doesn't take much stamina. But, friends, to push through when everything within you says, don't do it, it's too hard. Friends, it's not too hard. God plus one is a majority. You and God can get through anything on the planet. The devil can throw his best shot at you, and you can look him in the eye and say, go ahead, make my day. Do you believe that? Tell the person to you, don't quit. Tell the person on the other side, yeah, don't quit. Don't quit. Come to Church Unlimited, you don't quit. All right, you keep going, you push through. God's with you, you'll get there. A man owned a farm in Africa. He wanted to be rich, like many of us do. Well, I'm already rich, so it doesn't matter. Rich in God. But he trusted God for a long, long time as a follower of Jesus. But he ran out of perseverance. So he sold his farm. It's a time of diamond farms and of wealth in Africa. So he went across all of Africa in search of diamonds. Didn't find them. He ended up a broken man as a result of having sold his farm. You can tell the rest of the story. It's different to the one you've heard, though. The person who brought the farm, who bought the farm, found an unusual stone in one of the streams. Didn't have to dig, it was just there. Found this unusual stone. Found out it was an extremely valuable diamond. And that man, or that farm, became one of the richest diamond farms in the world. Hidden on that farm were treasures of darkness. Could have been the previous owners, but he ran out of perseverance. 
Imagine if Moses had run out of perseverance. Joseph had run out of perseverance. Paul had run out of perseverance. Jeremiah had run out of perseverance. Imagine if Jesus had run out of perseverance. No, friends, when the tough came along, they pushed through to the other side. See, hidden in your desert, listen well, because this is really what I'm trying to say. Hidden in your desert are treasures of immeasurable worth. Immeasurable worth. Unbelievable worth. Phenomenal, exceptional, outstanding, incredible worth. It's wealth that is worth more than the billions of dollars that a person might end on the earth. It's worth more than the wealthiest person on the Forbes list. In your desert are treasures of worth that you cannot put a price tag on. They're worth more than all the gold and all the the wealth of the world. And the challenge for you is to make sure, I'm pushing this, I know, make sure you do everything, everything, everything in your power with God's help to make sure you get the gold and the diamonds and the treasure that are waiting for you in your desert experience because you can come out with immeasurable wealth in God. That's how God makes a man or a woman of God. Oh, thank you. Thank you in the far corner. As the musicians come, strengthen the weak hands. Isaiah 35, 3 to 4. Make them firm, the feeble knees. Say to those who are faint-hearted, be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come. He will come and save you. You can come out of the desert transformed by God's power with greater character and filled with power and a miserable wealth to impact your generation and your world for Jesus Christ. God is good all the time in Jesus' name. Amen.